Bags and Boards podcast number 73. We back. A week filled with expansive paper, funny books, reading. How you guys feeling? I got the Golden Age guru and fire guy Ryan in da casa. Three weeks in a row, sort of. Three shows in a row. Yeah. It's a week in between. That's a big deal for us. We're hitting deadlines, comic fam. I'll remind you. The podcast is available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And we got a packed show for you today. Um, First off, Peeps be taking a big old S on the MCU. We're going to talk about it. We have more conversations to be had about the recent collection find that we had last year. And I have a stack of very expensive paper sitting next to us. We're going to get into the documentary that has aired that Jeff was a part of. Yeah, I mean, it's not officially out. They're filming it. should come out, they said, early or mid-2024, but we're going to get into it. I want to remind the community to like and subscribe the video. We're back. Hidden deadlines. Very proud of that. But we also do giveaways on our show. Years ago, when we did giveaways, we'd require the community to comment in the comment section. And we would pick someone at random with, like, a random number generator. Well, those days are long gone. You want to fill them in on what happened. Yeah, we'd get people in there who would say, hey, it's me, Comic Tom. And it wasn't Comic Tom. They were lying and using their lying abilities to uh, uh, just swindle some of our customers, our clients, our viewers out of cash. It was was not a good good operation. Hold up. So are you telling me there's liars on the internet? Not here, though. Crazy. We've never lied. Well, the way that we have overcome this to make sure that our giveaways are still happening with the same gusto that we've always brought to the table. All you have to do is join the newsletter via comictom101.com. I won't spam you. It's the best way to keep up with all things that we're doing, as well as like unique drops that are exclusive to the website, variants, et cetera. But also, as long as you're signed up, you will be entered into win the monthly giveaways that we're doing. And you can win this ASM 41 first appearance of the Rhino. This right here is a John Romita cover, Stan Lee story, and a first printing 5.0. All you have to do is hit the website link in the description. And Jeff, you hit me with this video that started circulating just over this last week. Michelle Rodriguez. And where can you go? How many Marvel movies can you make? I know. Like, right. come on, guys. At some point, we got to get innovative with this. Who you'll know from the recent, like, D&D movie that was quite successful, like the 10th best grossing film of the year so far, which I was a little surprised to hear. You also know her from Lost and Fast and the Furious. What did she say? This is a little silly. You, you got to be kidding me right now. You're on a Fast and Furious. Uh, they're on 10 or 11, and it's like a two-parter still. And you're launching cars into space with rockets. And so if there's going to be any type of boring or... Uh, repetition or nonsense, and you're going to call it out as being redundant or ridiculous like the Marvel? Come on, man. You're in a freaking racing movie on the, like, 11th episode or film. It's That's 22 years now. 22 years of Fast and Furious franchise. Crazy. I've just recently given that series a chance, too. I went through last year and kind of did a binge of all of the Fast and Furious movies just because I wanted to see what was going on. They're not that bad. I don't hate them. Which no, is weird. Like them. I think they're fun. They have their place. Just you can't come from those movies and critique the Marvel movies for being too samey or need, needing to take risks because, I don't know, there's, there's, uh, there's some cringeworthy moments in the Fast and the Furious movies too. It's like a guilty pleasure. You're enjoying it. You know, we're not saying it's top-notch film. 
All right, just like MCU isn't top-notch film, but it's still entertaining for groups of people. Well, we have Comic Butch gracing us with his presence today on the show. Hit the like button for this comic gato. Her word was, they need to be innovative. I think that was the quote. So it's what you're saying. It's become derivative. There's too much. But I do find it intriguing. I didn't put that like two and two together that she's coming hot off the heels of the Fast and the Furious franchise. I wonder what the community thinks about that. But separately, this is a conversation that we brought to the mic from the community's angle because, hey, if comics aren't performing as well, that's typically an indicator that at least the the core fan base may not be as interested in what's happening on the screen. But we've also, we've also heard from like major directors, A-listers who've complained about Marvel movies, some suggesting that they're not even real like you know, works of art as many people would uh, describe them as. Whatever. Everyone's got their opinion. But I think it's all about this lack of general interest because nothing is quite as special as it's been as far as when you compare it to prior phases. I mean, I think people still complain. Even in the prior phases, they were just getting burnt out about repetition of superheroes for as many years as they did. Um, again, movies are a very intimate and um, individual thing for everybody. So, like, I like Dungeons & Dragons. Not everyone's going to like Dungeons & Dragons. I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3, okay, in the theater. You might watch it at home and not like it as much, but I saw it in the theater. I mean, like, everyone, like I said, is going to have an opinion. I 100% recommend anybody to watch it. Don't listen to critics about any movie because I always find myself liking movies more that I find other critics didn't. So, I don't hold those books at a high standard, but that's not what I'm doing to go see a movie. When I go see a movie, I want to be entertained. So am I going to be entertained? Yes, I will be entertained. So that's my goal when I go see a movie. I'm not looking for a life-changing event or for me to shed tears or whatever some of these critics expect from this movie or any movie. Okay, I just want to enjoy my time and connect in some fashion with something that entertains me. I kind of am looking for a life-changing life event. I, uh, I'll compare it to uh, Bo is Afraid, Ari Aster. Tom and I have recently fallen in love with director Ari Aster and his films. I have not gotten the chance to see one of his movies in the theater before. Up until now, his current movie, Bo is Afraid, is in theaters right now. And I think that movie could benefit more from... Uh, somebody like me making the trip out to the theater to go support a movie like that, which is not going to do anywhere near as high numbers as something like Ant-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy, which I also know will be on Disney Plus within a month or two anyway. So it's like, no, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll watch it on my own time, okay. even though this is our job and I really should watch it much, much sooner. So you're saying this is such a life changing movie, but you won't even change your day to go see in the theater. Oh, yeah. So, I still haven't seen Bo is Afraid and I really okay, want to. So then that's not life changing. No. If you think something's life changing, you go and make that change. You go do that. Otherwise, it's not really. You just, you're saying that it is, but you're not giving the actions for that. So for me, if you're not going to, actions speak louder than words. So it's cool to say that, but you got to get off your butt and go see it and then tell me. Did that change your life, Ryan? Well, there's also this like aspect of, I don't want to call it laziness, but like maybe it being a little lackadaisical. Going to a film at a theater isn't as exciting to me as it once was, especially when we just got through pandemic and saw so many movies at home. I enjoyed a lot of brand new movies on my big screen in my living room. And the last time I went and saw a horror movie, it was, uh, I want to say it was Scream. There were children in the audience. I was listening to little Timmy going, mom, is that person going to be okay? 
You know, they just got gutted with a knife. Like, it's just not as, like, enjoyable of an experience on average. And that could just be my area or, you know, the town that I live in. Who knows? But I just don't have the same type of fun that I used to have when I was younger, maybe because I want to have more of a controlled space. And this is our job now. This is my job now. So if I'm going to go take time out to uh, watch something, I can either go to a movie theater and sit in the dark and put my 100% focus on a movie or I can uh, binge watch Star Wars Rebels, which I really need to do, and I am currently halfway through right now, while getting work done on other parts of my job that I have to do also. So it's it's a give and a take for no, me. Man. It's all theater for me. Uh, the only way I can focus on a show by itself right now in a movie is in a movie theater. But my phone has to be off. I have to be in the dark, and I need to watch it. If I'm at home, I'm hearing what's going on, but I don't feel like I'm giving that full attention. I know I'm not giving that full attention. Who am I kidding? I have my phone near me. I'm generally going to be listening. I'm going to be doing other things that I probably shouldn't be doing, and I'm not giving it the full attention it deserves because someone put a lot of effort into this film, from the music to the cinematography to the um, editing to all of it. Yet I'm not going to give it 100% attention unless I'm in that theater. You're talking about a life-changing experience in that way, then. It seems like we're coming full circle, and if uh, if it's not going to be a life-changing experience, I don't feel like I have to give it my full attention, and I can get things done while I'm watching the movie and digesting Star Wars Rebels at the same time. Agree so, or disagree? I'll also input that it's interesting to consider the success of the marketing and how much that sways someone to even see a movie. I think that's actually what Ant-Man experienced. They did such a poor job, which included showing a modoc that was underwhelming and a movie that largely looked like it was a sequel to spy kids hit the like slap the subscribe i want to know your thoughts in the comment section below are you vibing with what michelle rodriguez said and let's move on to the collection find that we keep being asked about isn't it interesting that we've gotten this collection almost a year ago and it's just taken that long to go through it we haven't brought it to the mic a whole lot because there's been a little bit of a hiatus that has ended officially with the podcast now that crashdown is available for ordering right now hit up your lcs and order crashdown get yourself a few covers and support our first published work in the comic book industry but jeff don't you get hit with questions and comments about this collection find we had, the 350,000-plus books all the damn time. I do, I do, and it's um, it's a slow process. I mean, obviously, it's a lot of books, but because we're trying to document it as much as possible, it makes the entire process probably 10 times slower on already a slow process. So, But I did go and pull out some of the main Silver Age key books, and some Bronze Age, just to kind of look at some eye candy. Um, and we're going to have Ryan take a look at some of this, right? And flip through. Because Ryan's yeah. our designated flipper. They love pushing all this stuff on me to make me stressed comic, out. Comic toucher. You're a designated comic toucher? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he hasn't experienced seeing these. And actually, outside of just Jeff and myself, I don't think anybody really knows all the things that we've gotten. So... I told you, Jeff, to just come and bring a lot of number ones and first appearances, and we'll pick and choose what we're going to bring to the mic over time. And this is a good practice for Fire Guy Ryan because you've probably never seen all these books, let alone in person, let alone all at one single time. So we're going to surprise you, and I would like you to read like what the books are, and if you know anything about like their a, significance. Like a quiz. You're going to quiz me also well, on this. Well, I want to hear your first okay. like, you know, response to what you're holding. Talk about the condition. Talk about what sure. the book is. And then, obviously, Jeff and I are here to help out. And I thought it'd be fitting for you to go through certain books first, and we'll make it easy on you. 
Here's a stack of some green lanterns. Well, spoilers. Okay. What do you think? Ooh. All right. So what are you holding? What are you looking oh, at? Oh, damn. Is this not Green Lantern number one? It is Green Lantern number one. Holy smokes. So who do we have on this cover? This is Hal Jordan and uh, the Menace of the Giant Puppet. So this is officially when like the yellow color started to become a problem in Green Lantern, correct? I don't know. Isn't Hal Jordan the first one? one? Oh, to have issues with the yellow? Yeah, I'm pretty sure, Mr. Green Lantern guy. That's a good question. I don't know. Everything, so my era of Green Lantern is Jeff Johns and on. That's the stuff I've read the most of. (laughs) And Jeff Johns came on board and was like, you know, that whole yellow thing, that's dumb. We're going to... We're going to retcon that and explain why that's dumb and that's no longer an issue in Green Lantern. It hasn't been for about 20 years. All right. Well, we got uh, Green Lantern number one, a classic book, and uh, Silver Age 10 Center. And what are you holding right now? Can I get this one? This is uh, Green Lantern number seven. I believe this is the first appearance of Sinestro. That's right. My favorite character in all of comic books. This is the reason why I know he knows this one. Because we went hunting and we saw a bunch of covers, right? And we saw first Sinestro and we also saw second and third. And we were getting confused. Like, which one was the first one? And the reason why you can always remember this cover, because I'm always about, like, trying to... like spot something. Like if you're trying to remember someone name, someone's name, what's a characteristic of the person that triggers that memory? Well, for this cover, you have Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, using his power ring to like see through somebody. It happens to be a female's clothing. And uh, further in, you're seeing her organs on this cover, but it's a strange cover regardless. So is it sinister almost? So Sinestro? Ooh. What? Yeah, I'm jealous. That's all. This is probably going to... I'm trying to get every single issue of Green Lantern that's ever been printed and published in all of its different, you know, spinoffs and series and everything, and this one is probably never going to come to me because... Good with, God. Not with that attitude. Jesus. It's also... Man. It's going to cost a lot of money. As he's holding one because it just happened to be found in a collection. Ryan, you have to believe in yourself. What's the next that's one? That's fine. I got bills. I can, I can live without it. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, the colors on this one are really nice. This is very clean. This is Green Lantern number 40. I believe this is the first time Alan Scott and Hal Jordan meet up. Am I wrong? Or fight? Uh, I don't think you're wrong, but first time, we'll have to double check that. That's a What is it? Green Lantern 40. 40. Well, this is a great time to plug Key Collector Comics, the best comic app in existence. If you're like us, there's a lot of comic books we talk about, and we always want to bring the most accuracy. So what I'm going to do is pull up the app I use more than Gmail. Um, more I use than Google, I'm going to type in Green Lantern in the search function. Go to the 1960s, which is exactly the um, era I'm looking for for this one. And I'm just going to save some time and type in which number? 40. 40, and watch what gets pulled up. We have Green Lantern number 40. First appearance of Krona. Okay, we have talked about this on the Hot 10 recently. That's why. And it's also the origins of the Guardians of the Universe. And the Infinite Earth concept. This is a pretty big deal then. And yeah, this is a very nice condition too. Use Cotime 101 on Key Collector. You support the show and get access to a free two-week subscription available for both Androids and iPhones. This next one is one of my favorites though. Oh, damn. That's another one that I'm never going to get. Okay. I hate you guys. This one is super green. Super green. <laughs> green Lantern number 59. The first appearance of maybe my least favorite Green Lantern, Guy Gardner. Ooh. That's not true. I might like Kyle Rayner a little less. I don't know. They're both kind of lame. All right, this next one's a very important book, though. I'm curious to know if you know the significance. This is Green Lantern number 76. I believe this is the first one with Green Arrow joining the team. And Neil, yeah. Neil Adams and, oh, and all that. Look at that. Danny O'Neill. I've got the absolute version of this. I don't, need, <laughs> I don't need this one. That's what I tell myself. I've got it in a very, very nice deluxe oversized hardcover, so... I'm okay. I don't need any of these. I don't need any of these. And for many, this was one of the books that kicked off the Bronze Age. 
Yeah, it was this moment because Neil Adam, Denny O'Neill, they like hit the pages and brought a bit more significance to the the narrative, uh, more like human based problems being discussed in comics from like drug use, race, as well as like environmental pollution, et cetera. Um, and that tonal change started with this issue and marked the beginning to many as the start of the Bronze Age. Legendary run on comic. All right. So now that we bored everyone with all this Green Lantern history and what Ryan likes, I'm going to start hitting you with some books. And I want to, like, these are books, Ryan, that you looking. should know out the gate. No excuse. You did I do on, good on these? I you did that. I think you Except did for pretty, the one we had to look up on Key Collector. I think, I'll give you the claps, Ryan. Okay. I'll give Ryan the claps. Um, give in me the, the chat, clap, everyone. Obviously, in the in in the uh, comment section, let Ryan know know how he did with the Green Lantern because now I'm sure now I won't do good. These are these but here's are. the things. Here's the thing. No excuses on these books. Okay, you got homework to do if you know, don't know these books. So you mean they're going to be? With, I should. Oh man, this is stressing me out in advance. Um, Jeff, let's make this go quick though, because if he doesn't get it by the time you realize he doesn't these get it, I want you to way. tell him what it is because he cannot sit here and guess. Okay. Showcase number. Uh, where's showcase number four? This is the uh, uh, first Barry Allen? There we go. Okay. This right here is, to many, the start of the? Silver Age. Silver Age of comic books. Major, major book. All right. Okay. Keep it going, baby, because what is this? Uh, This is Amazing Spider-Man number one. It's a little sun-faded, however. This is not the first appearance of Spider-Man. But it's freaking awesome. First appearance of the chameleon. Come on. Oh, I don't know that. I don't care. Don't about forget the about the chameleon. chameleon. He's related to he characters was... that are important in comic books. Yeah, exactly. We also have the FF. So this is the first Spidey FF crossover, but it's also the first in his own series second appearance. Getting close. Actually, I'm gonna make it really easy for you because these next ones are just givens because Spider-Man knew what they were doing. They introduced mm. villains on the cover. Oh. So I'm giving you a little bit of a hint here. Well, thank you. So hit him with it. Okay, I have Spider-Man number four. This is clearly the first Sandman. There you go. Well done. All right. Oh, that's easy. Okay, Spider-Man number six, the first lizard with some unfortunate writing on the cover, it looks like. What does it say? K5. K5, baby. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's like, what does that mean? What's the next one? Uh, this is, oh, I mean, it's hard to find the numbers. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number 13 with all the other stuff going on on the cover, the issued number is a little, well, what a is little it? lost. That's the first Mysterio, I would assume, based on... The crazy cover. Oh, damn. Why hasn't this been on the list recently? It should be. Amazing Spider-Man number 15, the first appearance of Craven the Hunter. We've been talking about the first appearance of the Rhino all the time because it's the upcoming movie, but I haven't seen that book yet. That's a good point. All right. I have some more Spidey to dish with you. Take a look at Those that Those were one. easy. What the hell? I know. I'm going to crank it up a little bit in a second. Okay. Damn it. Amazing Spider-Man 101, the first appearance of Morbius. Okay. Doing Pretty a cool. nice, uh, a nice bitch slap. Jared Leto. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Comic. <laughs> but he's definitely backhanding Spider-Man right here. Do you think Jared Leto owns a 9.8 of this? I don't know. Do you think he owns the second print at a 9.8? If he does, I'm sure he Do you he think likes... he likes the second print better? Things I think about. I think he probably <laughs> just buried it in the backyard All and right. lit it on fire and did a All spell right. or something. What are these, Ryan? Oh, geez. Okay. These are tougher, but you should know this these. Is, you already referenced this, it a little bit. This is actually, uh, they homage this on the upcoming cover to Amazing Spider-Man 26. This is Amazing Spider-Man 121. <laughs> well, it kind of hurts to hear that, but okay. Did. Oh, wow. So yeah. what is this? This is the death of Gwen Stacy. Yes. Ryan, okay. you're on fire, man. I know stuff, guys. In fuego, bro. Ryan, All right, what's this uh, next one? Uh, the following issue... Does Norman Osborn die in this issue? Oh, does he or this, doesn't he? I read this once. 
I didn't like it that much. It's too old for me. Well, you, See, I need you to I make a decision. I just lost any credit I just got now. Does death? he or does he not? This is the death of the Green Goblin. Thank you, there Ryan. You Dude, you're doing Because they did this well. in the first movie when he gets impaled on his own glider. This is exactly. Here we go. classic comic stuff. What is this one? Oh, damn. Okay. FF52. Fantastic Four 52. First Black Panther. There we go. Okay. That's another easy one. That Here, whole let's... era, is, they threw a lot at you right around issue 50, and I get kind of mixed up. Okay. This is going to be a funny one. Damn. I'm excited about this one. Okay. What is this comic? And I want to hear exactly the key significance. Don't be hemming and hawing. I want to know what is it? Cameo, first app, second app. You get this. Do you want me to tell you before you flip it? No. Oh, okay. Ready? <laughs> Do Boom. that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's the first cover appearance of Wolverine. Second and appearance and maybe the first appearance of the way to go. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was it. I love it. Okay. That was yeah. good, Ryan. Second appearance, you guys. He didn't even skip a beat. You can no. think this he sounds like he's on a comic book podcast. Okay. Listen, this is the first appearance, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> really quick. And I'll tell you Not having this why. debate. Real quick, because I never hear this. Anyone say this. If you look into 180, his claws don't have the three rings. So he was still in development. He Ooh. didn't even finish the character fully. So I'm going to then call this the first appearance because his claws are completely done. They didn't have the three rings. I'm going to say that is why 180 is just the uh, cameo. Wow. You he heard it he here. shows up on the last page says, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> that's, like, that's all, it is. That's all I need to hear. Oh, my It's gosh. a better cover okay. on this one, but that's, a, that's it. Okay, this is a little bit tougher. What is this? Uh, this, I'm sure, is the first. I don't know. Let's look at it. Oh, geez. Okay. Giant-sized X-Men number one. I don't think I've ever held one of these before, especially not one that looks like this. Holy moly. Okay, there's a handful of new first there appearances is. on this. So what is All it? Of, most of these guys on the cover. This is the first Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, uh, Thunderbird, right, is his name. There's the uh, Sunfire is in here. Is the first Banshee in here, or does he show up? And I think he's a villain earlier, because this is the first time he's on the team, I think. And everybody else. And also the second full appearance of Wolverine. Oh, Wolverine. <laughs> he joins the team and all that, yeah. Well done. Okay, so here's a couple fun ones Is this here. the first Krakoa as well? Ooh, it is. Jonathan Hickman status? Yes, first Krakoa is in this issue, isn't it? Almost positive. We'll check that, we'll check if that out. If only there was some sort of website Grillis, we could use. Yeah, grill us in the chat. So I gave you, I just handed him two books. Two books that are uh, worth more money than I have probably ever made in my life. For those of you who are just popping in right now, we are going through some of the best First it's a, appearances. It's pre-recorded. Who's gonna collection? pop in and jump in like thirty minutes into the Maybe video? Maybe someone who's watching a clip and they skipped the beginning someone because they didn't skips. like Green Lantern. Damn yeah, it! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. Fantastic Four forty-eight. Uh, what is this? The first uh, Galactus and Silver Surfer. I'll give you a one and a half. You can there. give me a, an X. I could miss one. I haven't missed well, one yet. I don't think. No, I, I would say it is almost there because Galactus is considered a cameo in this. Okay. And what's the next one? This is first Silver Surfer. Almost dropped that. <laughs> this is the first Silver Surfer. Issue 49. And probably first full Galactus based on the pausing you guys are giving me. Oh, interesting. Wait, so you're changing your answer from 48 to 50? I read those all in one go. 49, okay, 48, break 49, it down, 50. Guru. We found an area of weakness in Ryan's reading. And this is the stuff I've actually read, too. Listen, if we're going to go with Wolverine 180 <laughs> being a cameo or okay. being a first appearance, and this is the first appearance of Galactus, do you remember what he looked like on the last page in this Christmas no, suit? not at all. Yeah, he looks uh, like Santa. He looks like Santa. Okay. He has like a green Galactus. Well, Santa is very scary if you think about it. First full Galactus, Silver Surfer, um, first cover appearance, Silver Surfer. Good job, dude. You're freaking crushing it, man. we got to right. turn it up, is, I think we're doing pretty good here. I'm going to make it a little scary. bit more difficult. What about this one? There's too much value on this table. This is right probably now. one of my favorite books in the world. Oh, this is Frank, uh, first Hank Pym. That's nice. There you go. Tales to Astonish, 27. 
These do not look like ants. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys have full arms. These are like mutated, freaky alien ants. Okay, here we go. We, that's a pretty monster book that you're holding here. What about this one? Oh, God. Okay, I've seen this before. Damn. Marvel Spotlight, number five. First Johnny Blaze Ghostwriter. How dope is that cover, man? It's one of the best covers of the Bronze Age for sure. So nice. They made number one almost identical. <laughs> I know, right? They're like, let's just do looks, it again. It looks quite nice, too. First appearance of Ghosty. It's a really nice looking copy. I mean, they had the Cowboy Ghost Riders. You can't say that's technically. That's true. I was trying to be specific with my Johnny Blaze. Okay, I'm going to see if I can trip you up here. Try. What's this one? Can't. Can't do it. I bet I'll get this. Oh, this is uh, Count Nefaria. This is the first Chris Claremont, like, ongoing after Giant Size X-Men. I call this the John's Comics with Kids issue. Because this was his, like, profile picture on YouTube and Instagram for the longest time before he got his own logo. Love that guy. What comic is it? It's X-Men 94. Boom. It's a random one that everyone needs to know, but yeah. Like Even this, I know this. Yeah, this, this is the whole, first issue after Giant Size X-Men. The whole run was going downhill. They were reprinting earlier issues. They did a Giant Size issue, introduced a new team, handed over the writing to Chris Claremont by issue 94, and then boom, changed history. All right, I'm going to hit you with another one that you should know very well, damn it. It's a weird one, but you should know it. I'm already seeing it on the... On the reverse side, if you will. Ooh, I was looking oh, at the camera. Yes, right. Look at his play with words. Hey, flash number 139. This has to be the first reverse flash. Eobarthon, Professor Zoom Baby. We talked about this on the list basically every single week. Yo, I love this comic. And 123. Those are like two of my favorite books of all time. I just, they're so classic. I I'm love trying them to grow my flash knowledge, but it's a lot and it's, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, you just got to like go back in time and keep, you know, learning. Here you go. Look at this one. This was a cool one. Ooh. First Daredevil, baby. Daredevil number one. Classic book. I, did you see the 9-8? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did saw. you get to hold it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Rob's 9. Uh, did I hold it? I don't know. I saw it. I think I just pointed a lot at it. It's pretty cool, <laughs> yo. It's cool. It's yeah. really, I'm really really stoked for him. Fun-loving Foggy Nelson. I haven't actually looked at the cover this first intensely First Karen before. Page. First Foggy Nelson. And yeah, first Daredevil. And you got Spidey crossover. True. Right there on the cover. Boom. All right. Um, let me see here. Try this one out. What do you think about this one? What is it? It's going to be like, it's that, but it's not that. It just looks a lot like that. This is Journey into Mystery 85. This is the first appearance of Loki. Boom. Yeah. Thor's sworn enemy. You're doing pretty According to damn the cover. good, Ryan. Here's another this one. Is, this is literally my job. This it one's easy. Make sense. We just did an homage to this ourselves. Order <laughs> Crashdown. Our one in 150 is an homage. Shout out Kevin McGuire, JLA artist, doing Thank an you. homage to this first appearance of the Justice League of America on Brave and the Bold, number 28. Yeah. And Isn't that interesting to think about? Like the JLA was just a combination of characters because they weren't holding their own in their own title. And then they threw Starro on this cover and boom. Now we have a whole new superhero team forever. I believe it's also the first cover appearance of Aquaman. Is that right? Ever. Hmm. Did not know that. He was never on the Golden Age on the cover, and I think Ooh. it was the first cover appearance of Aquaman. So this next one, the last one in the pile, is really very – this is a nice-looking copy, dude. I'm uh -oh. very excited to see what these all grade at. Well, maybe if the community wants us to, we'll clean these up, we'll get them graded, and when they do come back, we'll show you the results. That'd be a cool sequel but episode I want to know if you know this comic book, Ryan. Did you save the most challenging one for last? One it's a weird one. Oh, damn. What book are you holding? Fantastic Four, issue number two. This is the first time, yeah, it's the first Skrulls, when they get changed into cows at the end. Amazing comic fam. Ryan just freaking killed it. I'm proud of you, my brother. Now, let's actually discuss what it was like briefly 
finding these books at this collection upon entry, knowing that there's a lot of these that existed and that they were held there for years, there were stacks of runs on top of themselves without bags and boards on like 95% of these books sitting there somehow untouched for decades. And we would see a Daredevil 300 and something, and Jeff would go, all right, that's at the top. So that would place DD1 somewhere over there. And I'd be like, all right, let's do it. And some of these shelves didn't even have backings to them. So Jeff's got his hand behind it so that I don't accidentally knock books in that may be a Daredevil 1. We're pulling them off very carefully to find a Daredevil 1. It was like that with all of these books. Yeah, it really was. Um, it was a hunt because that as though the collection was pretty complete, but it wasn't fully complete. So you weren't sure what books were there so you'd have to dig right so there wasn't a daredevil one um there was a spidey one but there was no hulk one there was no ff one no journey 83 either no journey 83 or ff5 i don't think there was a avengers one either um so there was a lot of key books there but you just didn't know until you started digging and you had to dig carefully like you said because not only was it in these shelves they were in there really snug so you'd have to like carefully drag them out it's like it's almost like they were put in there and then the paper swole yeah. So that it would almost like get compacted in that from the pressure or from the growth of it in these little cubbies. Well, it's also funny is that we were searching through those rooms, obviously organized. Marvel was over here. DC was over here. They were sequential, you know. But then there were random stacks of comic books all throughout the house. And one of the stacks was labeled miscellaneous in the corner of one of the rooms. And we were going through Golden Age primarily the first time we were there. But I'm like, hey, while you're looking at that, I'm going to look at this random stack over here. And I found that ASM1 just sitting in there. I even took a picture of it. It was a very fun feeling to like passively be going through books that are all unorganized to go, holy hell, that's an ASM one. Yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It was just like a random pile off to the side. So that's why, I mean, I haven't looked at this whole collection yet. So maybe there's hidden boxes with things in there. Maybe not. We'll we'll know. And then as soon as we know, you guys will know. If you want to directly support the show, help contribute to Comic Butch's eating schedule. He's on a diet, but... You know, we're definitely feeding them really good food over here. You want to contribute, join the mystery mail call, comictom101.com. If you don't, who knows when Butch will get to eat again. That's very true. Oh, I'm just kidding. That's what he's implying here. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we actually don't feed Ryan. That explains why Butch is so cranky because he hasn't he's gotten- He's on a diet, dude. He's he has so to have aggressive like and loud automated- today. Feeder schedule. My cat's on diet. He's freaking huge. Which is just <laughs> she, ornery, she's freaking yeah. huge. So um, join the community. Give me an excuse to send you comics every month. The box is $35 plus shipping, and we ship it in a box, legal flat rate envelope, with care so it's protected. We have a Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones issue number one Ariel Diaz trade dress going on in every single box. We also have a Maleficent you know, Disney Villains issue number one just came out. Johnny DeJardin's classic, an instant classic cover. We have versions of that going out at random. You're guaranteed both of those books, which versions will be random. And we have some other stuff up our sleeves, surprises that we're going to be bringing to you. And you can follow me on Comic Tom 101 on Instagram to kind of get a peek behind the curtain. Jeff, you were featured in a documentary that looks captivating. And I was feeling a lot of like... I mean, deja vu a little bit. Like this was a this collection that we got was very special. Three hundred and fifty thousand comic books with a lot of gold and amazing keys. Clearly, but there was another collection find that was kind of 
rediscovered by the family who inherited them. And there was a movie that was created around it. And you were brought in as well as a lot of leaders of the industry. And I'm hoping you can share what this documentary is about and your involvement. Yeah. So, um, this is uh, the title of the movie is going to be selling Superman. Okay. It should be coming out sometime mid 2024, allegedly. Um, go, so go check out selling superman.com. They have a couple sizzle reels there an explanation, um, about what it's about, and then a second one discussing a label because they were able to get their own label for the first time ever. Custom label through CGC because there's a giant collection here that we're talking about. Yeah, Providence, and we'll get more into that. So um, I was I met the um, the inherited owner of this book at a convention. The collection. Yeah, of of the collection. Excuse me. So we got into details. He started to expressing to me what it, what's the whole story and the amount and what's in it and everything that's encompassing in this collection. It was an amazing tale because it, it talks about mental health. It talks about the struggles of a family. It talks about where they began, where they're ending with it, and what their journey has been like. So this is a tale of a father who amassed this collection into a, a home, a family home. And this is about 300,000 comics. So imagine boxes everywhere in rooms that the family was un- or not allowed to be in, okay? You have a family living in a house, and you don't ever get to see these comic books because it's the father's only, and it led to such turmoil in the family because he was a very bright man, okay? But he had his issues, all right? He, he, was, uh, he had Asperger's, so he, instead of ha- that being um, something he dealt with, it was more something that... He kind of treated comics with a little bit. And yeah, other like things. it kind of went undiagnosed. He didn't want to address it. He just wanted to live with it. So that affected his uh, ability and his living style, which overflowed into the family, which ultimately led to the divorce between him and his wife. And again, it's it was something that they didn't love. They hated it, in fact, because it tore apart a family. But now that he's passed away... It's become something they're finally getting to see and enjoy as a family. And it's now bringing the family back together because now they're trying to realize, what do we do with this? We have 350,000 comics. We have no idea what's in there. And in there is some absolutely amazing pieces. My father got the first solo issue of Superman from 1939. It was locked away for decades. He found out that was the second nicest copy of that book on the planet. That book could easily go for three to four million dollars. Well, what's something that was um, very intriguing about the trailer is that the wife said that it resulted in a divorce, and the son said, had he not inherited these comics, the wife probably would have just thrown them away. If I wasn't around, there would be a big dumpster outside, and she would just own them. Actually, She'd recycle. And then he like doubles back and says, actually, she would have recycled them. That's how much disdain there was as far as how this negatively impacted the family and the lack of, I guess, willingness to address the mental health issues that this gentleman was enduring. Um, but the comics are crazy. It, it, it's like that. It's like keep it behind the torpedo vault kind of comics. Yeah. And it's not so much even about their 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 value. OK, because for the family, the family's well off already and right now they're trying to flip this around and having it instead of it being something that destroyed a family they're trying to find ways to bring these books to the community and to the right people um and don't get me wrong there's still financial um benefits to it here and there for them 
But it's not about that. I mean, it's very interesting. When you listen to Darren, who's the gentleman um, who's leading up the collection, who inherited for the most part for the family, um, you know, go check them out. Check out some YouTube. Uh, Comics and Chaos, we had One True New York King and Rage Steel put out a great, they had an interview with him. So go check that out on YouTube. Yeah, they're actually going to be helping um, sell the collection. And we just did an interview with them about Crashdown recently. You can go uh, find them on YouTube. Yeah, and, and the reason they chose those two is not because they're the best people to sell this collection uh, online because they'll be selling it on Instagram here. It's because of the story that they both shared, all right? They both have an emotional story that comics brought into their lives, and so they connected through that, and so now they are in this position where they're going to help them sell these books. That's really cool. There's so much to this story and um, this family that I encourage you to go look it up and really start Googling. Check out SellingSuperman.com. Check out YouTube. There's been a lot of great interviews. It's super touching. I'm really excited for it because I do think it's going to be something um, really captivating for people because it goes from something, the story is going to be a full circle of trauma to resolution to possibly a happy ending, you know, and that's what we want. So you were actually invited to be part of the documentary, and I've seen some clips of it. I'm hoping you could give the community a little bit of insight of what you discussed, maybe give them a little bit of a preview about what maybe isn't available in the documentary just yet. Like, where did you play a role in all this? Because I only know of one book that has actually sold from this collection. It was a Batman 1 graded at an 8.0. Yeah, so the Batman one, uh, like you mentioned, was an 8.0. It had, the, I believe it was the first book ever sold with the new label, the Fantast label. And the Fantast label, when you look at it, there's a lot going on, but it tells the whole story and tale about what the family um, had to endure and all the parties that played in that journey. Yeah, you mentioned um, pedigree versus... Uh, provenance. Good time to explain the difference because a lot of people didn't know pedigrees when we talked about it last. So pedigree is a collection that was amassed by an original owner off the shelves or when the books came out, okay? And and usually it, it entails books of extremely high grade and importance in the collectible. As for provenance, it's a collection that was assembled by a person of all, you know, doesn't have to be all errors, but it was more assembled together, not something they bought off the stands, And that's what this is. And they've had provenance around. They've given collections names like Nicolas Cage and, you know, others. But this is the first time anything has ever been assigned its own label. And uh, so now it is called the Fantast, they named it. And Fantast is a very special word that is related to um, the father who owned these. And I forget what the direct uh, definition is, but it, there is a correlation of why they use that. Well, again, go check out sellingsuperman.com because it explains the whole thing to you there. So for these books, like we mentioned, they have their own label, and we're actually going to get our own label for this collection that we're dropping. I was just um, going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like something you guys would get a provenance for. Yeah, and we would be the second. I just got to wrap up this label, and um, which is kind of exciting because I didn't see that coming. But anyways, back to this collection. So yeah, you, they, why'd they rope you in? Because like, obviously you're a gold oh, right. specialist. Did they sh- ask you about any gold? What, what was your expertise as far as like, what did they seek 
from you as far as information as regards. Well, that's exactly it. They wanted to get another perspective uh, of somebody who's in the industry who can really discuss these books because they don't really, they didn't really know the books. They don't know the history of everything. Okay. This is just dropped in their lap. Okay. So I'm there to help shed some light to the hobby and to the history of comics and really go through it and see what's there. Did you get a vibe that they already knew and had a plan of what they were going to do with these comics or were they just kind of taking it all in? No, they're taking it all in. I think step by step, I think every day was a, was a learning uh, experience for them as they get, as they go through this. So this is, they knew that this was something special and they're like, just turn the cameras on. We got to get a doc, uh, a director here, document the process as they figure it out. Yeah. So the actual director went to high school with the owner of the collection now. And, um, he just kind of brought it up. And then there was this push to like, oh, we should tell the story um, about this because of what the tale is. It's pretty, like I said, captivating and intriguing. And so they started to film and it's just coming together and it's just growing and it's just snowballing into this big thing that's involving so many people now in the industry and who are all very excited to to be a part of it. What specifically did you see and what specifically did you talk about? I saw Superman 1 7.0, which at the time was the second highest graded. It was a 7.0 and I believe two eight O's. But within this short amount of like nine months to a year, one of those eight O's sold for I think it was like $5 million. And I believe it was even almost privately, but it might, it might've been recorded now and was upgraded to an 8.5. Wow. So now it is the third highest graded, whatever. So it's at least a three to four million dollar book probably in this market. And there's that question they're asking is selling Superman is what would you do with this book? Mm. That's the point of it. You have this amazing book. They had no idea the father had, but now it's in this collection. So that's the question and what it is. What would you do? Because the father didn't sell it. So he already made his decision, right? He, He died with it. Um, and then the family has to kick that question around. Did they ask you? They asked me specifically. What did you and, say? I mean, I kind of took it a little analytical. I was like, if you don't need to sell it, I probably would not sell it. Don't sell it now. Right? If anything, don't sell it right now when the market's low. I, I mean, think. for books like that, the market isn't right? There's no. Yeah, it's one of those market-proof books. You Fair. Know? Um, so for me, I was just like, listen, if you're not in a situation where you have to sell this book, do not sell this book. There's no, I mean, there's so many other books for you to sell here. You know, you have 300 plus thousand books. You mean, you might as well focus on those and, you know, keep this thing. I mean, hand it down. It's, it's a piece of your life. It's a piece of, um, American history. American history. Exactly. 1939, you know, Spider-Man's first solo title is in 63. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, I see what you did there. <laughs> or 62. Was ASM 1 and 62, right? right Jeff said Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, You said Spider-Man. Oh, I said Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Superman. Superman. 1939, first solo in his title, okay? Super tough book. Far more rare than that Batman 1 that they just sold on Heritage. It was an 8.0, and it sold for just about just a little over $1.1 million. So um, I got to see the, both those books. They had an entire vault of books. I mean, it was unbelievable. And there's three massive... St- storage containers, multiple levels of security. I mean, this is not only a storage facility, but it's also like an, a full operation because now they're going through boxes upon boxes. And guess what? They are not organized. Nothing is organized. All right, you will be in a box 
with bronze, silver, gold repeatedly of just you just don't know. You have to literally go through every single box and you will pull out some treasure book and some nonsense book right next to it. So it was very interesting. It's a ton of work. And um, stick around for the journey because there's going to be updates and it's gonna really going to be fun. I think it's going to be really good. I want to know from uh, you, Ryan, if you had a Superman number one just come out because of an you, you inherited one. Someone gifted it to you. And Jeff said, if you don't need it, you probably shouldn't sell it. What would you do? I would sell it only because I cannot be trusted to hang on to anything <laughs> that valuable. Like I, Something would happen. My house would get hit by a meteor or get rolled over by the world's largest bulldozer or some some ba- terrible bad thing would happen and it would you know break or get damaged. I don't trust myself. I wouldn't want to, you know, it belongs in a museum, as greater people than me have said. And you're not the only one. A lot of people feel very uncomfortable owning expensive things. And that's true. I mean, that's a very, very expensive single item to own. Most people end up just doing a lockbox at a bank. I think I mean, that book crosses over the value, the, the, the border into, like, priceless kind of territory. That's like, I don't even want to, like, look at that thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's too important to, you know, <laughs> history, really. It's more about the grade as well for me on this one. Like that's really impressive, but Superman one has never been a comic. I've been like super excited about, but it's very significant, especially how old it is. Yeah. And it reprints action comics one. So it isn't like a full original story. So, uh, but again, extremely tough book. Nonetheless, new question. If you had to sell it and you had to, the only caveat to selling is you have to sell it and you got to put the three or 4 million into another couple or single comic book, what would the comic be? You have three to four million. You have to spend it. You're taking the Superman one. Don't say you'll buy a couple lower grade Superman ones. No, I mean I'm looking for a Tech 27, Marvel Comics one, and a uh, probably a Cap one. Those are my three. What are your three? Uh, or, and a Suspense three, by the way. Suspense three and Fantastic three. I can keep going. What about you, Ryan? Any anything off the cuff? You have to buy it. Uh, any any Golden Age book? Man. I don't have Grails. Not really. I'm trying to get every Green Lantern book. I'm going to take the money from you. You have to pick something. <sighs> well, then I'll use it to fund my pull list for uh, and forever. <laughs> I'm a modern kid. Give me my current modern pull list stuff. Ryan Give me $3 million three of, of credit at the, my LCS. <laughs> Give it to Russ. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is going to manage it. But it has to go to the shop, Russ. You can't just take the money because <laughs> I know you. What would you spend 3 to $4 million on Comic Fam? I got one more plug for you. This is not a sponsored plug, but our homie Kix. His name is Sal. You know him as Kixtradamus, the celebrity custom artist. He's doing a really fun, like, original piece of art, and all you have to do is join his newsletter via his website. I'm going to put the link to that in the description. He's also, like, auctioning off, if you're into, like, sneakers and stuff, custom art on sneakers. You know he's done that for not just, like, major NBA players, but as, as well as the cast of The Boys. I had no idea you did the cast of The Boys. Yeah, there's a bunch of them that got, like, their own, like, Homelander-style shoes, the the deep-style shoes, like, to the actors, you know? Oh, they all follow awesome. them on Insta. It's pretty cool. Do they? I mean, dude, I don't know if I've met many other people who hustle as hard as that guy does. He works He works so hard. I just got a custom one-of-one one, uh, Funko Pop from him. Follow Kicks on Instagram. I'll put his link in the description, but go join his newsletter as well. We're going to leave you with two really fun things. Um, We've graded two books from the collection. They happen to be here. Ryan's going to get them handed to him right now. I thought we were about to get out of here. And reveal it. And 
While you are listening to Ryan's reaction as it happens, hit the like, slap the subscribe button, go and give us a rating on whatever platform you watch us on or listen to us, you know, like on iTunes, that goes a long way. Ryan, what are you holding? Hey, hey, okay. My favorite character in comics. We got Incredible Hulk 180. First appearance of Wolverine. It says it on the CGC label, damn it. In cameo on last page. (laughs) First appearance of Wolverine, though, is all I need to hear. I hate that I'm getting roped. It's in a 9-6. I'm just now noticing the grade on this thing as I'm going off on my Wolverine tangent yet again. That's the power of this stupid debate. I hate it. All right. This is a beautiful copy, Jeff. Hot damn. And then what's this one? Another 9.6. This is Amazing Spider-Man number 129. The first Punisher, Frank Castle, baby. And the Jackal. Can't forget the Jackal. Uh, I think he literally got every single book. Well, these have very handy little cheat sheets. You would have got it. But I I would have known these two. Done. That's podcast number 73. Damn it. We appreciate your time today. As always, geek responsibly. Nuff said.